Welcome to the Seek Wilderness Podcast, a platform for outdoor adventures and storytelling, for gaining basic knowledge of hunting, fishing, and woodsmanship, a place to find inspiration to go do epic stuff this week. Seek Wilderness. guys we are live welcome back to the seek wilderness podcast excited to share um this episode with you todd i don't know what do you think man were you you surprised at all with uh, this not really surprised (laughs) the person that we're talking we talked to today is exactly the same person that that i've seen on videos and podcasts and 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 everything else he's exactly the same person i don't think that he changes it for anybody (laughs) you know yeah yeah and it's not it's not like you know we we wanted him to be anybody different um i think i think going going into this uh and uh, for the listeners there we're talking about troy fowler also known as the ranch fair in case uh he didn't read the description but we had the pleasure of talking with him and it was uh, about a two hour conversation. So we're breaking this up into two parts for, for everybody. So you can really take your time going through it. Um, But our hope and our goal was to learn more. I know I follow uh, Troy a lot. I've paid attention to, to his videos, uh, whatever podcasts he's on, I listen to him. And just like with Todd and I, uh, being being bow hunters and everything, our conversations quickly go down that that hole of 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 bow hunting, which is fine, which is fine. And when you talk with somebody like Troy, um, we we go say, what, what would you what would you say as far as the the heavy arrow stuff? We kind of like we weave in and out of it, but it seemed to always yeah. like come back to it. Yeah, no, that that's for for Troy. Like from what I've. I've seen here now, you know what I mean? With Doc Newton for a couple hours. I mean, he is exactly what you see in all the videos in all the, the, the podcasts that he's been in. He has his, that's his thing. Those heavy errors are his thing. And he's not getting too far away from that in public speaking. I guarantee if we went down to his ranch and we, we said, Hey, let's, let's, let's go fishing in, in your pond over there or something like that. It would definitely change. Cause that, yeah. you know, he's yeah. really a fisherman. He likes a fish more than he does bow hunt. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's the thing that made, made him, uh, who he is as far as what people outside of his, probably his family circle, you know what I mean? Know him as, and that's, that's what he probably feels like he's expected to talk about. You, you, you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, he's got, his, he's got his, his, uh, his theories and his, his whole pitch down you know what i mean and he doesn't get too far off of it no we don't so we we wanted to keep this up front like really short really short just to or shorter than normal so um just to be sensitive to everybody's time but just to give you a little snippet like there he we do get into like Troy's personal side what he does for a living mm-hmm. uh, you know where he grew up and, and and things of that nature uh how he even became the ranch fairy uh, but ultimately just my my thought process as I was listening live in in the situation was the passion this guy has is incredible. That's how absolutely. I That's yeah, how absolutely. I yeah, he does. He absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Unless you want to add anything else, we'll we'll just get right into the episode. I say yeah. I say go right into it. I think people are going to love it. I think um, 
yeah, it, it, the passion. If you don't feel the passion from this one, then yeah, he's got. He's going to have a lot. You're going to feel a lot of passion from from Troy about about the things that he, that he enjoys. All right, well, let's get started. Hope you all enjoy it. All right, everybody. So as we uh, mentioned on last week's episode, we have a, a special guest here with us today. Todd's on the uh, line as well, but uh, Mr. Troy Fowler, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah. it. So as, we get, as we get started, I, I think I think the direction we want to go, obviously this is going to – like Todd and I always have um, – for whatever reason, we always fall back to our passion of hunting, and we want this mm-hmm. to be more than more than a hunting podcast. Uh, we yep. there are guys that that do the hunting, uh, you know, big bucks. They do a really good job at that. So our whole goal is just try to look at things from a different perspective, learn more about you. I mean, you're well known for um, you know primarily the heavy arrow side, but there's there's somewhere in your lifetime something was planted inside of you that want you know helped you or caused you to pursue the outdoors and that's kind of what this we're just gonna have a conversation and uh have fun with it so welcome okay that's great i'm all in for that i'm a professional salesperson for 25 years so i'm completely full of crap we'll be fine it'll be great (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm the same and so is ty so you got three salespeople on the line here yeah right this could be awful this could be yeah, the this is gonna be or the best sales the best we could we should start a company we'll do some sales <laughs> that's it great that's it <clears throat> how to be a hunter it'll be great get people to like you that really helps yeah, yeah so yeah. i'll ramble right into this um i came out of the womb with a fishing rod in my hand i just i grew up on a i grew up in a small town well it's not a small town now but i'm going to my 35th reunion tomorrow and we wow. have a decade-long reunion. So the 80s are showing up. That's how small the classes were in my high school. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody's outlaws and in-laws and people up and down. My wife is three years older than me. I was a freshman when she was a junior. And I, we didn't start dating until college. I didn't really know her, right? Because you don't talk to the freshmen. But right. um, <laughs> so I grew up in a small town. Uh, I was fortunate that we grew up on a, one of these speculative property. So there's somebody sold 5,000 acres and, and they started to build it out way out between the town I was in in San Antonio, Texas. So it basically was a giant playground with all these people who had bought lots, but nobody lived there. And I literally rode around on a three wheeler with a BB gun, like no shoes, you know, all the stuff you can't do now. Right, because you're gonna die. I survived all of that. Ramps, I love that. You know, and um, I just outside all the time. I mean, in the summer times, I'm a like brown haired guy, but in the summer times, my hair would be jet white. I mean, I would have it down (laughs) to my shoulders. I'd be no sunscreen. Be looking like coconut running around with cutoffs, (laughs) and um, with a bob haircut, right? Right. And it was always in there. Uh, there's no explaining it to people who don't hunt and fish. I mean, right. y'all probably had these conversations with people. There's no explaining it. Right. Nope. There, there isn't. There, knives and rope and, you know, surf fishing. I spent 15 years down on the, you know, beaches down here catching sharks off the beach. And, and uh, you have to tail rope those things. You have to go in the water and rope them and pull them out when they're over eight feet. And that gets a little exhilarating. And, you know, I like a little <laughs> bit of adrenaline that way. And then, 
honestly, for it's funny they say that a lot. Of, I'm not really an actor, but they say a lot of actors don't do the crowd thing. Yeah, like right. And that's me. Like I have this crazy presence on YouTube and stuff, and I don't mind going to ATA and grab ass with everybody. It's fun, but right. right. I'm by myself all the time. I mean, I, I just get in my truck and haul ass and people are like, where are you going? I'm going to the coast for three days. I'm going to spend the night on the beach for two days. And, and there's going to be no people. And they're like, really? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's people everywhere. So <laughs> I can understand that, Troy. I can yeah, totally right. understand that. And then on the, on my work side, I'm a, I run a team of 60 people when I'm in the medical device business and it's a real okay. high relationship, high touch C-suite level mm -hmm. job. It's not really, it's sales, but it's not, it's more relation. Well, sales is all relationship building. Y'all know that, but yep. um, it's really a high relationship, high touch it. And that that's who I am. Like mm -hmm. I like people and mm -hmm. for, I just said, I don't want to be around them. Right. Ain't that funny. But, yeah. um, <laughs> The goal of the channels, just to get that out of the damn way, is I was struggling. I killed a 160-inch deer on low fence a long time ago, and I, I stopped shooting deer. I just don't care. I caught a 9.6 tiger shark on the beach, and I stopped shark fishing, and I started light tackle fishing and doing different things. Now, now 9.6, Troy, just to, not to interrupt you, but 9.6, is that uh, is that like the – the white whale or what, 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 why is that a goal? Is that, you know, is that a, a good, a really good one? What? Ex yeah, it's explain. probably a 350 pound fish. He's, he's, yeah, it's really big. Okay. Right, he's right at, he's, you know, he's, he's the big, he's an old teenager, right? He's gotcha. quite there yet to get fat, but he's big. And I went, okay. I mean, there's 12 footers out there, but I'm going to go do something different. And okay. so at our property, which is my wife's family's property. And I called myself the ranch fairy being the ranch manager for 10 years before that came up on YouTube. So I, I didn't, I, I love shooting pigs. I mean, it's just fun. And I started hunting the big ones mm -hmm. and the big ones aren't easy. My people are like, we got deer feeders. Let's go run out there and stand there like an idiot. The big ones don't. Right. Right. And I was struggling. I mean, I have known distance. I don't have a feeder over 20 yards away. I got them at like 15. Right. Because they move so much, it's you kill them better when they're close. Yeah, I can they imagine. Switch all, they just switch all the time. And I was struggling. I mean, I know how far it is. There's no variability. You just wait for them to walk in circles around the corner. And there they are. You get your shot. You take the shot angle you want. They're, they're not leaving when the big mm -hmm. ones come in. And so I started exploring Ed Ashby's stuff and – when I went off that rail, I just started killing them. Just, I mean, it was so much more efficient. And I just said, well, I'm, I'm just going to throw this up on YouTube. Nobody will watch it. I'll live in a hole and everybody will leave me alone. I'll go to the beach. <laughs> and that didn't happen. <laughs> then right. I met the hunting public. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. And it just went freaking stupid. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's when I came across, across you, um, I guess, I don't remember is whenever you're, you were at a show with them and you did that, that videoed podcast with them. Yep. It was probably three years, three or four years ago. That's when it really took off. When I got exposure to the hunting public's audience, it went freaking, it went off the rails. I yeah. got, a, I got, so I was coming off a 
where I shot four, four deer and same scenario, like no, no blood, um, same scenario on all four deer, no, no blood, basically just needle in the haystack, searching to find them. And I was just so frustrated. And like, this was a blessing in the skies for me to find stumble upon your channel. And then the following year after, you know, putting in the work and everything like that, I went out and shot, shot a doe, went up through from her neck, from her neck all the way out the back. And yep. I, you probably don't remember, but you, you, I posted it on, uh, I think it was Instagram. It was Instagram. And you said the full meal deal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that shot's like, devastating. The more you can hit, the more stuff you can hit, the better they are. It's well, just a fact. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, I mean, it was, it was a less than a 10 yard shot too. Right. Sure. So, great. I love so, that. I'm really good at 10 yards, but I don't miss much. <laughs> me, me, but that, that was, that was like the nail in the coffin for me. Um, as, as believing in everything that it is that you talk about, but it is. Well, I appreciate it. That's really a great story. And that's what I'm about. So I get, a, I say a lot of crazy crap and I just can't stand it. I'm super sarcastic. And I know that I know, I know my presentation style probably doesn't help my viewership. I just don't give a crap. Right. I just don't right. care. I, I wasn't monetized for three years. Right. Right. I didn't monetize anything. I just turned it off and I went for it and just said anything I want to. I will I still do that. But, um, <laughs> the fact, the, the problem with me as a human is I just can't go past the facts. Yeah. I have a mm -hmm. very hard, all things car with an oil leak. You have to fix the oil. I do all my own car work. Like that's one of my things. Suspension right. jobs and brake engines down and stuff. I've got, I drive a 18 year old Honda with 230,000 miles on it. And I just waxed it. I'm one of those old guys. Right. And it right. runs like a top and with Biden gas prices. It's kick ass. Right. So, <laughs> but that's, it's just the way I'm wired is there's right. And then there's, eh. mm -hmm. and I'm not playing in the, I can't do anything half-assed. I can't know for a fact. I, I can be, I can not know better and live with that because I don't know better. And then you go, shit, that's, you know, wow. Or you find some new tool that's real cool that you should have had. Right. Yep. Right. We were trying to take the, uh, we were trying to take the damn drive shaft or something out of the front of some Honda. And we had a pipe on it and a six foot pipe and I broke the pipe and fell and rolled it out in the garage in my neighbor's house. <laughs> and then we found out they had this special tool. You put it in there, boop, pops right off. And we were trying to do it with a chain wrench, right? That kind of stuff. I didn't yeah. know that this tool existed. So I can live with that. Right. But once I know something and I know it's the best and not just good enough, I can't go, I can't go backwards. Like there's not a day in hell I could ever shoot an arrow that I have a nocturne now. I can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. I got people show up and they, they're shooting their bow and I'm watching the arrows come off and I'm going, Oh shit. And they're like, Hey, they're doing great. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I can't fix them. But right there, you can't do it. It would take hours, but right. fishing, my relationship, with my wife, I've been married for 35 years, my kids, all of it. It's not just archery. It's just me. No mediocrity. No, no mediocrity in your life. Is that what you're saying, not Troy? Once I know, and then I'm right. super freaking curious. I'm like, right. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm messing with all kind of crazy crap and fishing right now in the, in the flats and, um, which is, I've gotten into, 
and I'm playing with offset hooks and I'm always tinkering. Right. I wonder why I got 10 and like the other day I hooked a 12 snook wade fishing down South and I got mm -hmm. five and I didn't get cut off. Like sometimes they'll saw you off. Like they got, you know, chew through your leader. Well, nothing was okay. big. Why did I, why was I only 40%? Why wasn't I? Why did I miss the other six or seven? Right. So you're trying to figure that. out like where you hooked them in the mouth or how, how they got leverage on you to be able to run, yeah, right. run, run your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. Right. So I didn't get cut off. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you get cut off, you get cut off. You can't beat the like Spanish mackerel was cut you off. Fine. I can't. You can't beat that. But why was I only like you know three for one for four? Why? Right. I was like, well, sometimes they get off. Uh, I don't know about that <laughs> people are like you're crazy i'm like no so i'm just wired that there's some there's always the best people out there and yeah. i want to know them like i've been fortunate in my life i mean i'm friends with ed i can call ed right, right now yeah rocket man has been a freaking huge help to me understanding when i met the rocket man he said you know what you know what you're saying, but you don't know what the hell you're saying. Yeah. Right. You know, in other words, I knew why. No, I knew what I was getting. I didn't know why. Right. Yeah. And then he oh the you don't even know. The videos y'all see, I was laughing. War Britain, Aaron War Britain <laughs> texted me and said, Dude, those videos are freaking awesome and I'm still watching them and I'll be in them. Right? right. <laughs> he was there. Yeah. And we're, we talk about it all the time. And I said, you don't even, he's just scratching. He's, he takes me down the rabbit. Oh, you don't even want to know what we're talking about. Right. I, I probably would. <laughs> if you have an engineering background, no. then it would be awesome to talk to the rocket man. But he really keeps up. He tries to, he's really for an engineer with the level of knowledge he has, he's phenomenal at bringing it down. Yeah. Right. And you don't find people like that. There's a shitload of people in archery who talk at a very high level just to try to wash everybody out. They're the smartest right. guy in the room. It's hard to put it in layman's terms. It's hard yeah. to put it in layman's terms. Yeah. And, but he can do it. That's good. And, and Ashby is really good about that. You know, he's really, if you read the reports, he really lays out some ideas, you know, about like aerodynamic drag. We put your hand mm -hmm. out a window, point your yep. fingers, doesn't drag. Stick your hand up, your arm flies off. Right. That's drag. That's it, yeah. It's that simple. More complex, right? But, yeah, at my core, I work, like, my employees know this about me. That I don't, I'm not a ball-busting boss, but they know that we want to do the best job and to make the decisions based on the best outcome. And some of those mm -hmm. outcomes are not the best outcome i mean you have to sometimes you're you know you all know this from working you're in a spot where it's you have to make the best of what you got right yeah you're never half-assed and i can't go back now right and then like like you said though and you're always learning so that might be the best way to do it today but then you learn from that and then tomorrow you you, you might say okay the next time we have to do that job we're going to try something a little bit different and i think if we try it That's this way right. we would get a better result that's exactly right. I mean, I'll give you a very simple thing. The most overlooked thing in archery, not that I'm trying to stay there, but is sharp and durable sharp. Yeah. No yeah. one talks about, I'm the only person talking about that. 
I don't know a damn soul in this business talking about getting it really sharp. There's people that talk around it. It mm-hmm. has to survive. And yeah. I can't go back now. Yeah. It took me six months to figure it out. I farted around, broke broadheads, screwed things up, you know, couldn't get it right. And now I can, two minutes, I can get broadheads that are terrifying. And I know the steel will handle impact and be sharp going through what kills them. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's, I can't go back. I, I just, yeah. So, so hey. Troy, for me, I bow hunted with a compound since I was 12 years old until I bow hunted for about 34 years. Yep. Um, did all those things, use the little flappers and the twizzle sticks and all that. Oh, yeah, all I, did, that. I did it too, man. I did right? it too. I've had, I got a 30 inch draw length with the compound. So yep. it really, you know, if I was shooting 65 pounds, I was blown through deer. I'm not blowing through shoulders, you know what I mean? Shoulders or whatever. But because of the, what God gave me as far as arm length, I have a power stroke. So I could push, I could push uh, mechanicals through deer. Were were they the best thing? Probably not. You know know what I mean? But they died. Um, But I'm by, if we, you break it down and you start looking at it as a bow hunter and an archer and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was taking the easy, you, you were taking the easy route nowadays. You know what I mean? Like you just go off a chart on what the arrow is. It flies pretty good. All right, yeah. All right. My 20 yard pin, my 30 yard pin, I'm good for whitetails and up in the Northeast or, you know, the Midwest or whatever. I'm, I'm good. Not, not really trying to perfect anything. I'm buying a $40 pack of um, mechanical broadheads anybody in their right mind can tell you as soon as they, you pull it out of the package, you can tell they're not sharp but they're killing yep. deer. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I did it a when lot. I go, when I, I go in the woods, wildebeest in, I killed a black wildebeest in Africa with a rage and I gutted it. I mean, it was bloodshot right. out four feet. It was amazing. Yeah. Right. I, I, I go in the woods w- with a compound at that, at that time. My kill radius is 60 yards, 30 yards each way. Right. Yeah, sure. When I'm sitting in a tree, so that's an e- to me that's an easy button at this point uh, when i went over to trad it was just like completely like going back to the things i sh- we should be teaching kids at 12 years old and and 10 years old i had to learn how to sharpen broadheads yep. <laughs> i had to i had to learn how to get deer inside of 30 yard you know inside of 15 yards yeah, right. with a yeah, 30 yard right. radius i had to be become a better hunter you know yeah, and right. i had to learn how to to actually tune a bow, tune an arrow to a bow, you, you, you know, and yeah, I and, assume y'all cut them down and do that, right? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I use a lot of your your videos when I first started. I started about five years ago, six years ago, and mm-hmm. like with the knock tune, I start right there with the knock tuning, and, and mm-hmm. you know, go through there. I build my bear shaft to the weight of the the broadhead that I want. I, I decide what mm-hmm. it, what broadhead I want, what weight forward I want, and then mm-hmm. and then start building the arrow to that, to that bow. And and then my bear shaft is what I call my control arrow at that point. Yeah, I can go out there. I build everything like that with a bear shaft and it should fly exactly with my, with my uh, fletched arrows. And they do. And if I get, if I, if I'm going in the backyard and I'm having problems, I'm not going through my shot process properly and I'm shooting, you know, low left or something like that. I can take my control arrow out there and, and shoot that arrow 
to get back to basics and to try to troubleshoot what am what am I doing wrong here? Cause I know that's that this a great strategy, you just made me, you just, you just put a video in my head. So great. Good for you. You're helping me with content. That's wonderful. I love you. <laughs> it's, well, uh, that's something that needs to be covered. I mean, I have a pretty extensive trad discussion around and I only know this because I mean, I shot wood. I've killed javelinas with Flint. I've done the hand tied feathers. I've done all that crap. Mm-hmm. And um, I mostly shot wood with my trad bow. And, right. But nobody ever told me that you cut the stupid shafts down. I just shot whatever. Mm-hmm. Fiddled around, right? And I remember there was some paper that was written by some guy, but Ed knew him. It was, this is 20 years ago. And I found it somewhere. And it described cutting the shaft back from the knock end. Just load the front, whatever you want to shoot. Start cutting the mm-hmm. shaft off, and all of a sudden it'll go boom. And yeah. I was like, "That's BS." <laughs> but I said, "I don't know." I spent three days in the backyard farting around, breaking crap, and then all of a sudden I figured it out, and they went boom. And I backed up to twenty, and they went full bear shaft. I said, "That's yes. crazy." And then you put fletchings on, and you're amazingly good. Yeah, Amazing exactly. How good you are after that? <laughs> exactly. God, yeah. the animals that I wound to death. Doing, yeah. you know shooting the old arrows <laughs> yeah exactly so with with a with a traditional bow and and you can probably go back to your your years of, of hunting with what i've learned in my experience on the, on the journey here is what i'd like to do is i do not completely cut that thing down to where i'm perfectly i i like to have it slightly weak slightly yeah, yep, slightly yep. weak and that way when i go to i know for a fact when i'm when there's a deer in you know in my, and i'm about to shoot it i i may collapse a shoulder a little bit i may not get all the way back and everything might not my whole shot process if my shot process isn't right it's never going to be long and weak in the arrow it's going to come out stiff because i'm i'm short drawn or you know yeah, what i mean it doesn't collapse or whatever right you're on the yeah, ground and cramped yeah. up or whatever yeah that's absolutely reasonable a little soft is probably the right way and plus it's got to go i know a lot of the bows are center shot but it's still bending right mm-hmm. and so you want it to clear the fletch you yeah. hear a lot of when you go to the range and just I, these poor people you hear the shafts hitting them you hear the shafts that are too stiff you hear them shinking off the rest right I mean, I've heard that a lot, and I'm just like, oh, you give me about two hours, I can fix that. But, you know, I'm got, I just have things to do. It sucks. They've got to be wondering. But, yeah, trad's really fun. I probably got to go back and shoot it. I've got a 70-inch 21st century that's like 54 pounds. It's like pulling nothing. Yeah. It's so long. Mm-hmm. I've killed so many freaking animals with that bow. I mean, awesome. it's just so much fun and I probably ought to go shoot some trad stuff and get the woodies back and all that. Lord knows I got enough broadheads. I can figure that out. But yeah. Have y'all shot the 300 grain tough head? No, I, I, I basically right, right now I shoot, um, the cutthroat two fifties mm-hmm. with a single bevels. And I use, uh, from, for a backup arrow, I, I have, uh, VPAs, three blades right now i haven't actually they fly they fly good but i haven't actually shot any critters with with that yeah that's just you just gotta take normal shot angles we just came out with a three blade under my brand on with sirius and Mm -hmm. i made it very clear on my videos that you know this is not going to bend not going to break you can sharpen it super easy because any idiot can sharpen a three blade and and i show the process which helps everybody you know get their structural integrity up but you can't take quarter and two and stuff you just can't i mean you can but i wouldn't do it 
Right. It's just yeah. your, the bones, normal shots, vital V, all that, and you're fine. I mean, that, those mm-hmm. things, I killed a lot of stuff with, you know, one piece, three blades in the old days, and um, they, they, they performed very well. So wait, so, so back that up a minute because I just got I just got a three blade set. I, I got I, I went with one fifties. Your your lowest is is two hundreds, right? Yeah, we're gonna have one fifties in the future. But you got the you got the tough head evolution three blade. I got I got the cutthroat all all solid. That's that's what I was showing. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. But did you, you get but the curved ones. They the new all, one or did you get the regular one? No, I got the curved one. So that's that's the that's how the, are you sharpening that thing? That well, I. Yeah. Had, Change the bevel, which is what you mentioned in the in the uh, in the comment on the post that I or reel that I that I did. You had to change. Yeah, right. So I got I got it from Stay Sharp. Um, he does a he does a video specific to it. Well, one of them is Cutthroat, and there's a couple others in there. So I ordered that. But you just mentioned you just mentioned like a quarter and two shot with a three blade. Um, mm-hmm. I may have missed that in the video that I watched about why you should shoot a three blade, but mm-hmm. can you, can you just explain that a little bit as to why you, sure. why not, or you should, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So a uh, three blade has no opposing blade on the other side. Okay. So it's a wedge. Okay. Um, have you ever broke anything with a wedge or has it always got two blades, axes and that kind of thing? So it's just going to wedge. The only blade the only broadhead on the planet that does any more work rotationally is a single bevel mm-hmm. and it can't help it the way they're offset and the way the bevels are when it hits meat it rotates and sometimes when you hit really soft meat it doesn't rotate a lot and then when you hit something hard it rotates like crazy you shouldn't expect it's not a hole saw you shouldn't expect a turn and a half through a deer there's no freaking way that's happening you'll if you get half a turn of rotation you've hit a rib dead center and it'll rotate so every broadhead on the earth outside of a single bevel stops rotating at impact. Okay. And then it's going to wedge in a bone. There's a very high probability. It could break it. Okay. You could hit the bone in the right spot. Bones are moderately flexible, except for they've got a superstructure around them. Right. So a lot of people don't think about this, but the meat and the tendons and all this stuff are all tied together to keep the thing upright running around. Right. So, that's all tied together. And so when you hit it and push it, the meat's pulling back. I mean, from inches away, however far the pressure wave goes from the impact. Okay. Imagine your finger hits it. There's a pressure wave that goes to the side and all that meat around there is pulling back saying, no, we're not coming apart. Yeah. Elbow tendons, all that stuff. It's all designed to keep the damn critter upright. And so it's often misunderstood that, um, you know, you just can punch the hole through. Well, no, all that stuff around it for whatever circle, I, I got to figure out how to measure that. But um, once again, got to be great, right? So um, that's, it's all pulling back. It's all saying, no, 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 we're not coming apart. Yeah. The only exception to that is the interstitial space which is the meat between the ribs is actually two different directions. Hmm. Okay. You see, we've all taken a shoulder apart and there's muscles all going all kinds of places, right? Or right. ham or whatever. Right. But the actual meat, when you get a thoracic hit on a chest wall, when you inhale, 
there's one there's one set of of the interstitial tissue and they're and they're angled it tightens okay. and then it pushes down and then the other one tightens to make to help your chest wall raise that's a very rough explanation of it but it is a physiologic fact that the meat in between the ribs is going two different directions and it it pops apart so what is it like a weave or something yeah it's like well there's like a layer on top of a layer Right. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay. And so when you inhale, one tightens up and then it pushes back, compresses your chest, and then the other one tightens up on the way down, right? Okay. Rough explanation. The fact is they're going two different directions. And they when you cut them, they, they the way they're tight in between the ribcage, they will pop apart. They will open up, and that's the best place to hit them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your blood trail is going to be better, but that's the only meat out there with a multiple-blade broadhead, like a three-blade, that's going to make a hole. Yeah. Okay. Because the meat wants to come. Up, I mean, it's the way it's it's tense. It's like rubber bands in there. And when you cut it, it pops. I mean, they, they all pop. So, mm-hmm. but the bones are gonna. The bones. It's a wedge. A giant. It's a wedge. It's just gonna wedge. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no help on the other side. And so you know, in Ed's studies, intentionally shooting bones, the three blade was the worst performer on bone. It was better than a four blade in meat. So let me let me ask you this: Did that have? Did the tests include like different ranges too, or not? He, he no, they kept everything at twenty because they wanted it to be static. Yeah. So everything's at a measured twenty yard distance, and it was a thousand shots. I think it's a thousand sixty three shots on animals, and a hundred and thirteen data points per. Wow. wow. Yeah, and this is before Excel. <laughs> right nowadays, people are like, yeah, well, so what? You made a graph. The amount yeah, of effort exactly. that man put out over 20-some-odd years of doing this is crazy. Right. And so that's why you don't want to take, and I said in my video, and I've said it on the Onion Public video we did about it with Zach, it's a great head for all regular quartering away. It's going to go. It's going to be fine, right? Mm-hmm. But quarter and two is a shot you probably shouldn't take. Now, remember, you're talking to me, and I don't shoot them back and hope. Right. Right. Physiologically, it's a terrible idea. Facts again, right? I can't do half-assed. So going, like, having I laugh all the time. I was on the elk shape with Dan and all the guys and blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> I said, a called elk does not walk in with his ass to you ever. Never going to happen. <laughs> There's it's not so an true. elk on a world that's going to walk in with his butt to you. He's not going to do it. He thinks he's going to fight. Right. That's going to be a quarter and two shot unless you spook him and get lucky. Or straight on, yeah. yeah. Or straight on, right? And I think that shot's totally logical. Inside of 20, a bull elk standing straight on. Oh, right down the pipe, dude. Nothing there. That's a right. huge target. That's like shooting an iPad. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You can't hit an iPad at 15 yards and you stop. <laughs> you just stop. That, that would be a, I mean, you want to talk about lethal. That's a 10-inch trip to the major vessels over the heart. Yeah. That's all it's got to go. Damn thing will be bleeding like, a, you know, there'll be blood everywhere. Yeah. And that it's not going to go 10 inches, but. Um, so you got to be careful with that thing. And just know you're, listen, we already picked up archery. You're already limited. You're seeing by a 30-odd six and we'll blast them out there at 300. No problem. 
Right. We stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. So with archery gear, you just have to accept the next level of limits. So if you're shooting a three blade, just know what you got. Yeah. And you might have to pass a shot. I mean, you might have to. Or carry a single bevel too. And if you're tree stand hunting and you think you can change it out and that's the shot you're going to get or the ridge is behind you or I don't, you know, there's scenarios, right? Yeah. You can swap them out. If I was hunting on the ground, I would not be, I would be probably be shooting a single bevel. Yeah, that's that be. You know, yeah. that, that could happen to anybody. I'll tell you what, just to give you a little from my experience with the single bevels, I've killed, I think it's about five, five deer with the, with the single bevels. And, uh, I, I shot other broadheads before I went to them when I went to trad. Um, I shot a deer, um, a buck. So he's a, a three and a half year old buck at 17 yards. And he was quartering away really hard. Mm-hmm. And when I shot, I was trying to come in like right in front of the right, the, the, the right ham mm-hmm. and drive it up in there. And when I shot either, he, he, he kind of went down and mm-hmm. I came in just like through the ham, his, uh, anus was, I mean, I came in probably about three inches, three inches, uh, to the right of his anus. And with that 45 pound bow, it drove all the way up to the fletchings and that, that thing. Wow. Yeah. And he so, killed a snot out of him. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, he didn't go real far, but when we got, when I tracked the deer and, and got there, when I pulled talking about the single bevel and it keep continuing to spin, when I pulled that arrow out, it did three, the arrow did three turns on that wound right, channel. It hit a very dense piece of the critter, right? It, right. The hands are big. Yeah. Right? yeah. So the amount of resistance on the, on the single bevel, was immense and for a long travel time right yeah so that's a big deal and that's the other uh, i was down nail guy hunting with Giannis um from meat eater i don't know february and he killed a bull nail guy he was shooting 650 grains he's tall so he's probably got a 30 inch draw like he's a pretty lanky dude right and this nail guy was quartering away really hard like you're talking about and he did hit the nail guy right in front of the ham mm-hmm. he got 40 inches of penetration Jeez. and the broadhead was poke pushed the skin out right between his right where you'd shoot him facing right yeah the, the broadheads you could see the skin popped up mm-hmm. dead center of the stomach dead center of the di- you know diaphragm and cut the major vessels off the heart and thing went 65 yards yeah. and if he would have penetrated, I think we met when well, we measured it, he videoed the whole thing, the necropsy, but I think if he would have penetrated, I think it was 17 inches. So he's shooting a 30 inch arrow. So if he got half the arrow in him, it may have been 20, but I'll call it, tw- I'll call it 17. Okay. Let's say he got half an arrow in him. It would look great. He never would have gotten to the, he didn't, wouldn't have gotten to the diaphragm. Okay. That's how big the stomach big. was. Yeah. yeah, they're big then. Wow. They're no guy. I mean, they're elk size, right? So right. Okay. it would have been a great looking shot. It would have looked like it, it would have been five or six inches of shaft sticking out. Mm-hmm. You'd have thought Yahoo got him. He was gut shot. It would have never hit anything lethal. Mm. The stomach mm-hmm. on that thing was in, enormous and like a sandbag. Mm-hmm. It was full of grass, right? They're, they're okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And if he'd have been shooting a mechanical, it would have just, that sandbag would have sucked that thing up. Right. It would have just, 
so much resistance. Yeah. And so that would have been like shooting a broadhead into a hay bale or something then kind of. Right. A real dense hay bale that's wet. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. But the single bevel just went, yeah, whatever. And just whistled through the thing. Hmm. So that's, that's awesome. those are the kind of scenarios I'm trying to help. I always talk about plan B and stuff. And once again, this is back to the best. I know mechanicals kill a million deer a year. I got it. I know Twizzler sticks kill a million deer a year. Elk, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I know from my own damn experience, I've only been doing this for 42 years. Right? Yeah. Right. And I don't know how many hundreds of people I've helped personally, my nephews and their friends. And I like helping. I'd rather take you deer. I'd rather take you pig out on the ranch and let y'all shoot them. Like when the hunting public guys come down, I don't hunt. They're like, right. what a video you shoot? And I'm like, you drove from Iowa. <laughs> I do this all the time. No, right. I'll video. You guys exactly. shoot nine of them. I don't care. We don't. We don't have. Like, to. Okay. You know, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. I, I get more joy. I've got a a two twenty three. <laughs> I bought when my kids were little. When I was a kid, my dad gave me a thirty thirty for a steel butt plate, and I I had to shoot a lot to get over being jumping, like not right. just letting the gun recoil. I had to mm-hmm. literally shoot thousands of rounds at the ranch and settle. Yeah. Just from getting my arm blasted off when I weighed sixty five pounds. <laughs> and I said, I'm not doing that to my kids when I know what it does. Right. Yeah. So I've got a 223 with a bull barrel. That's a single shot. So it's good for kids. Cause they know when they pull the hammer back, it's bad. And when it's up, it's good. Right. It's exactly. Safe. Right. And I did it for the safety reasons more than making them being some dad who says you're a one shot killer, nothing. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got 34 names written on that stock. For the first time, for first time people I've been with or my kids have taken hunting yeah. and they killed it. That's first awesome. Trip. That's oh, awesome. Super cool. I've written everybody's name on there. Like you get your name on the gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at to flip it over next year. It's almost one side. Of the stock is covered in names. It's so much fun. That's that awesome. is awesome. Yeah. It's super cool. I, as I get older, I'd rather go fishing and take you on, you know, I don't right. care to kill them anymore, so, yeah, but so- I like helping people that, the fall is the best time when the pictures come in. Yeah, I bet. When, I bet that's for you. That's your, re- pictures. that's your reward time, I'm sure. That's a, absolutely. And I can't. Yeah. It'd be, you'd be yeah. surprised. I know there's every arrow system out there, and God knows broadheads and whatever. And I just I can't fight the tide. I can only help those I can help. And I, I totally know that. So I can't tell you how many people have sent me pictures, and you can tell they're like, They've got a real job. Yeah. There's an F-350 in the back and a scooter, you know, a Claris or whatever, mm-hmm. and some big deer. And they say, this is my first pass ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Yeah. And this is people, like, you can tell that this is not, they're not rookies. They probably right. own the damn ranch. Like, right. those kind of people, right? Mm-hmm. I get tons of regular folks who public and all that stuff and have normal jobs, but I get a lots of people who go to Africa and all that crap. And they literally say, I did what you said. I've never shot through anything. It's amazing. <laughs> and I'm just like amazed because to y'all's point earlier, which one of you's got the long arms, John? No, Todd does. Okay. That's- Todd. So to your point, you've got a long power stroke. Mm-hmm. I shot, I don't I shoot 20 and a half. But I shot through them with mechanicals. So it's amazing. That's arrow tuning. That's right. not a light debate. That's not anything. That's just the arrows are flying sideways. Right. It's all that is. They're coming in at a weird angle and they're hitting wonky and it's sucking all the energy out of them. 
That's yes. my reward, right? For all the stuff I do and all the chaos I create. <laughs> well, Troy, you're, you're certainly passionate about what you do. And I, I think, uh, anybody that's, that's heard you seen you or whatever, they know that no matter what their thoughts are on FOC and the Ashby reports and, and all that, they know that you're bringing passion, man. They, oh, no, they know that you're bringing fun. passion. I, I enjoy it. And I am passionate. I really am. I really enjoy, like I said, I enjoy here getting the stories back. Mm-hmm. It was fun to build Sarah's arrow. And then she sends me a text message and says, I got one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Buffalo. Right. Right. I went out and helped her shoot and we worked on her full on, not her form, but we just got her bow shooting. Right. I had multiple spines. We went on played for like three hours trying to get an arrow to shoot straight. And I finally figured out what she would need to shoot. And then I built a whole set of arrows, 300 grain tough heads, you know, custom did them, spun them out. I knock tuned them. So she didn't knock tune them, but they were at least consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get this picture back of a K Buffalo that she shot. And I'm just like, that's awesome. You know, that is awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's really my reward. And that's where my passion lies. And as the channel moves forward, I'm going to go there more and, you know, be more encouraging for people to, this is why you do this. We want you to blast them and go get them. I don't want you yeah. blood trailing. Yep. That, that, that's awesome. I don't <laughs> want you blood trailing. I want you killing them so fast that you just go, okay. Yeah. I shot one you're dead. And that, that was the experience that I had that, that dude that I shot first time with a heavy arrow bounded twice and fell over. No, right. tra- And people don't believe that. I tell people all the time, 60 yards is a long way for me now. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll give you a bad example. Okay. I have, I'm currently hunting this pig called the, I call him wrinkles, but he's gotten all these wrinkles on the side. And I'm, he's super <laughs> smart. I can't get on him. He's pissing me off. I mean, I'm going to have to start hunting him. I just like the ones that just walk out there. You might have to sit three days, but they just walk out. This guy's an asshole. He's just being a jerk. <laughs> so I had, there was another pig in the same spot last year. It's humongous. He's probably the biggest pig I've ever killed is 265 because we don't have agriculture around us. Okay. And I shot him with a longbow. And, um, stalking like a man right and mm-hmm. uh this pig was way bigger and i hunted him like nine days nine different hunts you know not in a row but get the moon right the wind right blah blah, blah. he comes out i'm shooting 650 grains i got the evolution on the front it is sharp 15 yards he turns broadside i say this is beautiful hit the play button and when you hit, by the way, if you're going to video hunts, make sure that the numbers are scrolling and it's videoing because I've done that. Yeah. I draw on the pig. Right when I release, he, he steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hit him three inches behind the crease. Lost him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing failed. Shaft went through him. Broadhead was still sharp when I picked it up after bouncing off the ground. Two weeks later, he showed up with another feeder. Hmm. He's still out there. Yeah. But enough, the, the point of the story is this. You're never going to get them all, but you can't have failure at impact. Right. Right. Make a bad shot and eat it, but don't shoot substandard crap that you go, wow, it penetrated four inches and I got him. So, right. So your equipment did not fail you. Your, 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 everything did not fail you. It just happened to be where you, where you hit it or, Right, he wiggled and I wagged. Yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. They move a lot. So, and, but the arrow went through him like he wasn't there. 
I mean, they went, they skipped like 20 yards past him. I was in a tree stand. Right. And nothing failed. The broadhead was in good shape. Didn't bend, didn't break. You know, mm-hmm. we had blood on the ground. We tracked him forever. <clears throat> and then two weeks later, he shows up at another feed. He ain't going, he hadn't come back to the one I shot him at. He's not that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, hey, let's try. Let's talk about something there that is a has been a controversy forever. But you're you're specifically uh, qualified to talk about this then. So we'll see. Well, you are in your in your uh, actual day job. Um, what is your thoughts of the the uh, no man's land? Oh, it's we, like above the lungs. Yeah. It probably exists depending on the respiratory cycle. Okay. So you're thinking, well, so, they're, they're letting air out, they're exhaling or something that, that there could be a little. So I what, think, what? so I'm going to give you, that's a, that, that, that is a probability, but it'd be very hard to prove. You'd have to kill them. Ed always says this, man, could we get the ones we lost back? You'd learn more. Right. Oh, yeah. Or the ones that took 400 yards. If you could get every one of those that had bad blood trail and you found them the next day, and you took the time to figure out what the hell happened, right. you'd learn a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. So the possibility does exist that the lungs deflated a little bit and you shot over the top. Okay. But the very realistic thing is that the deers are moving mm-hmm. and they're rolling and you're one lunging them. Mm-hmm. Got that it. is much more realistic. And I didn't believe how much stuff moved until I started slowing them down. So to date, I am 100%. I haven't had an animal stand still. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so on the converse of that, zero is a special number, right? Mm-hmm. Zero times has anything took it like a man for me. And people will say, well, you hunt around feeders, all that stuff. No, pigs are prey animals. They're super greedy. They're rarely by themselves. Mm-hmm. And they move. They hear something crazy and they run because they're prey animals, right? In their head. Yeah. And I think if most people, I think that the Boyd is a one long roller and they can survive a long time for that with one long, one, one long hits. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. I've hit no, deer in one long. Back. The other lung does very well, actually. Yeah. The inside lung will collapse. There's not going to be a crap load of blood because it's not super vascular up there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to bleed out very quickly. There's not going to be yep. a blood trail because it's high. Yep. Yep. There's a ton of hair between the entry wound and the bottom. And yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. One lungs. I've, I've lost deer on one lungs. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. One, yeah, one so lung is bad, bad situation. Right. Yeah. Like my example of a pig that wiggle when I waggle. Right. You're not going to so, beat that. Okay, fine. But your arrow should go through and it shouldn't be dull. <laughs> so <what you're>, yeah. <laughs> Just get, let it eat. So Troy, what you're saying is the way that that, that happens is the, the deer or the, the hog, whatever it is, is rolling over. If it, if it's standing there broadside, the two lungs are lined up pretty well to you. But as it's, as it goes down and rolls over, you're basically just clipping the top of that front lung and you're missing the back lung. Is that what you're, or, what or you're just barely clipping the top of the other side? And it's not that. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Okay. So what happened, what would happen is let's just say you hit the first lung. Let's say you've got a real jumpy deer on mm-hmm. the ground and he really rolled it out. 
right? right? Really ducked and really rolled, which is very common. They don't usually just drop. They mm-hmm. usually roll mm-hmm. as they're running away. They're, they're not trying to hit the ground. They're trying to bound right. away. They hear it coming. And I'm convinced it's the arrow in the air. That's a topic for another discussion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so you have, let's say you hit a three inches into the near side lung, and it's a decent hit, and the, but you clip the top of the other side. Well, the, the front lung is going to, let's say the wound is better, meaning it's more damage, is going to collapse, okay? It's going to get out of the way, and it's going to go down in the lung, in the body of the deer. The blood that's coming out will go, is down. It's going to be on their sternum. Right. I, uh, yep. On the inside. It's yep. not possible to get out the hole. There's right. a ton of space in there. There's probably a whole deer hole worth of blood in that one side. If you count all the little spaces, it could fill up in front of the heart. I mean, there's so much space in there. They're not going to bleed. It's just, <laughs> there's no way to do it. Gravity takes over, right? Right. Lung goes down. The bronchial tree is down. The, the split between the two lungs, right? And the lung starts collapsing. And there's airspace. Well, blood's not going to go uphill for no reason. Right. So they're yeah. not going to bleed. And the other lung's doing okay, let's say. Well, they, can, mm-hmm. let's get, they go 400 yards and die. Or lay down, you never find them. Don't spook them. You didn't ever get near them. And they die, right? Yeah. Just, it's just a very difficult situation. We will never solve that one. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's a best case scenario. It goes 400 yards and, and dies on a one. Yeah, long. My experience on wounding stuff and then leaving them for a long time is they only go, they don't go far at all. They go up right. 50 or 80 or hundred yards. I mean, it, 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 as long as you're not whooping it up and calling your friends and making a bunch of damn noises, you think you whacked them. Yeah. And then you quietly just get the hell out of there. The wind's good. Like he didn't go downwind and then you get down, he smells you because then they're going to haul ass. But if in an ideal scenario, he'd be upwind, he'd go into the wind. You could leave six hours pass. Yeah. In, in, in the majority, the majority of the deer that I've ever hit on any hit, it's if it, especially if it's, if it's a mortally, which is guts, liver, you know, one not necessarily one long i've never really had good experience with one long yeah, right, me no. but just generally yeah. it's generally that they within 100 150 yards the whitetails up up here in michigan and you know all the different states that i've hunted they basically go about 150 yards and if you leave them alone they'll generally be dead in there even on guts they'll be dead sometimes it might yeah, take right. up 24 you, you, hours it's just die. a matter of you getting lucky that you waited long enough right, right. You don't jump yeah. on yeah they, they don't have anywhere to go and a deer deer typically an elk has a huge range so they might go a long way right they just keep mm-hmm. going they have a long ass leg so they can cover some dirt but uh, the deer really have nowhere to go there's they don't know what we know which is i could just run really far and they won't find me they don't think like that yeah they live in a certain range you know all the studies i've ever read except for the rut they kind of stay in this area square miles kind of the spitball of their home kind of area and they might wander off, go to the field and come back and blah, blah, blah. Got that. But they don't have a reason to run 500 yards unless you, unless they know you're there or, you, you know, they're super alert. 
why would they do that? Yeah. It, it, well, the, they don't want to, and, and they're probably their reaction is not to. And their reaction is to go about 150 yards. God. Is a safe, generally a safe distance from any coyote that they've yeah. ever experienced, any yeah. wolves, bears when they were young, yeah. any anything. That 100, 150 yards has always been a very good, safe thing from whatever danger's ever been. You know, well, they has probably ever, know where they're going. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. I, I've had a lot of deer that go right back very close to their beds where, where they generally bed during the day. Yeah. Right. So they know where they're going and they know where safe, where the safest spot they know of is because they've lived every day under pressure, animals trying to eat them and everything else. And then they know where to go. Right. So they're going to go somewhere where the wind's right and on some bench somewhere with crazy wind or something like that. Right. And then, and they're going to bed down. They don't have anywhere else to be. I mean, at the base of the thing, that's where they live. Really. Yeah. So that's always, it's just, that's the hardest part of bow hunting is you're not, you're not going to win them all. Yeah. You just got to, you got to get the best thing flying that you can fly at them. And there's going to be ones that jump so hard you can't hit them. All right, guys. So we're going to press pause here. That's the end of part one. Uh, like I said in the beginning, we're going to be uh, launching part two next week. And uh, Todd, do you want to add anything there? Nah, I, I think uh, people should really enjoy this one. Uh, um, is going to be awesome as well. But just like every other uh, episode, we always ask everybody to go ahead and share these share what that what they're uh, listening to share the episode give us a rating on whatever platform you're following on and listening on and like always and it's not step three it's it's the most important step of these the three things that we always ask is go read your bible go to genesis 27 3 read it understand it and understand why god put that in the first book of the bible later guys See ya. Seek wilderness.